Hola, ¿qué tal? This is Chris Ramirez, editor-in-chief and your co-host for Gator Talk, a Golden Gate Express podcast that brings news to SF State students, just like you. Ten more weeks until winter break. We're right around the corner, so hang in there. <sighs> At least it's Halloween next month, so there's that. Anyway, you ready? For more information and coverage, check out goldengateexpress.org or at Gator Talk Pod on all social media platforms. Here's a rundown of today's episode. First, I'll give a news brief with things that happened this week that matter to you, a member of the campus community. Then, Express Photo Editor Sabita Shrestha is going to join me on the pod to talk about her interview with the head of the Asian American Studies Program and founder of Stop AAPI Hate, Russell Jung. Here's the brief. Express Photo Editor Sabita Shrestha joins us for the main story. We're going to break down her interview with the Chair of Asian American Studies and founder of Stop AAPI Hate, Russell Jung. Here's the brief. San Francisco's Lowrider Council celebrated its 40th anniversary on Sunday with the showcase of vehicles on Mission and 24th Streets, right outside of the Mission Cultural Center for Latino Arts. The center is currently holding an exhibit on lowriding culture until Monday, so feel free to check it out. Express also covered this, and I shot a video for it. Feel free to check it out for more info. SFO became the first airport in the nation to require vaccinations for all of its on-site workers on Tuesday. While San Francisco has already required city workers to get vaccinated or become subject to weekly testing, many airport workers are hired through private outside companies. Employers that work through SFO must also submit records on employee vaccination status until all are vaccinated. They run the risk of being fined if they fail to do so. On Wednesday, the Food and Drug Administration formally signed off on Pfizer booster shots, but only for those 65 and older, as well as those who are immunocompromised. The CDC supported this on Thursday. Those eligible may receive booster shots six months after their second shot. Hi, everyone. My name is Sabita Shrestha. I'm the photo editor at Express. So this week, um, I had a chance to talk to SF State Professor Russell Chung. So in 2020, he collaborated with Chinese for Affirmative Action and Asian Pacific Policy Planning Council to launch Stop AAPI Hate, which has been tracking the incidents of hate and discrimination against Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders. And last Wednesday, Professor Jung and his co-collaborators received recognition for the project by being named one of Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People of the Year. The recognition from Time 100 um, means that we've helped start a movement that's making change. And it's not an individual award, but an award for the entire community that has stood up to racism and made our voices heard. So Sabita, can you tell me a little bit about his childhood and some of the things that he experienced that helped shape his worldview? Yes, so he grew up in the Richmond district, which back then was primarily white. In the 1970s, 70% of SF's population was white, according to the Bay Area Census. In the 1980s, the white population declined to 59%, but that was still the majority. And his dad grew up and worked in San Francisco's Chinatown and his mom in L.A. He said that he faced tons of racism back then and his parents faced even a lot more during their time. And so how has it shaped the work that he does now? 
Professor Chung has been involved in social activism on racism for decades and has published multiple books about Asian Americans. He said that growing up, he often visited Chinatown and it really shaped his perspective in seeing how difficult it was for immigrants to make a living and to succeed in the society. The Immigration and Nationality Act of 1965, which abolished this immigration based on race and ethnicity and gave rise to large-scale immigration, it brought new waves of immigrants in San Francisco in the 60s and the 70s, and mostly Chinese from Hong Kong. But they were forced to take low-paying jobs due to limited English, and those jobs were mainly in Chinatown because of the higher number of Chinese population compared to other parts of the city. Even now, 81% of Chinatown's population is Asian, according to the San Francisco Planning Department. And according to the census report, the median household income of San Francisco is $112,000, but the median income of Chinatown is just $26,000. I remember in our past coverage of Stop AAPI Hate that Zhang actually said he's also experienced a hate incident. What's it like for Zhang working on something that has affected him personally? Well, he said that... What bothers me the most are the attacks on the elderly. That's too close for comfort. That, to me, is so egregious and wrong. It fuels me to make a difference and to um, really work to, for the safety of our seniors in our community. Um, so I'm not so much concerned about myself or even my family, but I'm really um, upset about how our elders are being treated. Because I see my mom who's 94 years old, and the elders who are being attacked. And um, it's vicarious trauma seeing um, seniors pushed and shoved or spat upon. Fast forwarding to 2020, what was the moment when he decided to take action and create the organization Stop AAPI Hate? When did he realize that this was bigger than just himself, that it was a national trend he needed to call out and address? He was actually on an airplane flight when he realized this. I recall reviewing data of news accounts on racism and the numbers were significant enough to contact Asian American civil rights groups. So I think that's when I, when I saw the data on a flight, on an airplane flight and recognized the clear trend that led me to call the other organizations to um, start Stop API Hate. I knew I just, I mean, I couldn't just issue a report on my own, but it's, it would be more powerful coming from civil rights organizations or in partnership with civil rights groups. That's how we established Stop API Hate, to use the data to um, partner with the community to make change. For the context, this was around the first two months of 2020. Back then, the first case of COVID-19 was reported in the U.S., and former President Trump addressed it as China virus or Wuhan virus. That's when anti-Asian racism and xenophobia started to surge. And it's only gotten worse since then. The number of incidents reported hit a peak of 1,135 in just two weeks back in March 2020 which was also the first report from Stop API Hate. And these events are still happening today. According to the latest report, the number of incidents has reached just over 9,000. 
Support the Golden Gate Express's work by signing up for our online newsletter, following us on Instagram or Twitter at GGX News, and visiting the website, goldengateexpress.org. And we're back. So, Sabita, aside from tracking hate incidents, how else does Stop AAPI Hate provide for Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders who have been on the receiving end of these hate incidences? My sense is that experiencing something like this could be not just physically damaging, but also traumatic and emotionally damaging. Yeah, they have actually partnered with groups like the Asian American Psychological Association, Asian American Psychiatric Association, and Mass General Hospital to get information and resources out. They don't provide those services, but Chung said that they're looking into providing them. Through this collaboration and research, they published a mental health report at the end of May. The findings were that Asian Americans who have experienced racism are more stressed by anti-Asian hate than the pandemic itself, and one in five of those victims display racial trauma, and they also have heightened symptoms of anxiety, depression, and stress. This report alone could help provide resources to the victims because they issue the reports with mental health groups. I'm realizing that Stop AAPI Hate is largely a community effort, both among its creators and in how people self-report these hate incidences. On that note, what did Jung say about the purpose of having it being community-centered? So, Professor Jung teaches ethnic studies, and he believes that the organization's mission is to partner with the broader racial community and to work in solidarity with people of color and learn from the communities and provide solutions through their stories. In an interview with SF State News, he actually referenced the legacy of the Third World Liberation Front Strikers, who brought about the creation of College of Ethnic Studies and the Black Student Union, both the first of their kind in the nation. Partnering with two other community-based organizations is part of our legacy in ethnic studies and the way one of my methodologies in doing sociology. Um, by learning from the community and by amplifying the voices of the community, I think that's also a good way to do public policy because um, we understand the issues we're facing and we can come up with the best solutions to for them. One example is that I see a lot of the racism is directed at Asian Americans because we're perceived as foreigners who don't belong. And in the reports we're receiving, people are told time and time again, go back to China, you effing shink. So having their stories sort of um, provides evidence of this perpetual foreigner stereotyping. I know that we spoke with Professor Jung for a story right around the Lunar New Year. So I'm curious, what's changed for the project since then? So after February, we had the Atlanta shootings and the Indianapolis shootings, mm -hmm. and they were devastating. Um, they really highlighted the issue for the nation uh, about the racism against Asians, and Stop API Hate received a lot more attention and got a lot more resources. So um, as a result, the number of reports continued to surge. Now we've gained more prominence. Um, I think the movement of Stop API Hate really grew after the Atlanta shootings, and um, we've been able to um, have more voice and more of a platform because of the attention the issue was receiving. So 
Um, it's been actually more heartbreaking and sad since February because we've had the shootings and that trauma, that grieving. Mm-hmm. Um, and how has the Biden administration impacted the work being done through Stop AAPI Hate? Has more action been taken? I think um, his administration has continued to be proactive in addressing the issue. We've met with um, different agencies and departments, um, and um, they've taken a lot of concrete steps to address the issue. We want him to continue to redouble his efforts to put more money into the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think uh, they have been much more proactive and supportive than the previous administration. That's right. I remember back in the early days of the Biden administration, after Biden signed an executive memorandum condemning the hate incidences against Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders. Professor Jung told me then that the Trump administration's rhetoric and anti-immigration policies actually fueled the fire that kind of kickstarted where we are today with these hate incidences. Part of Stop AAPI's origins lay in the fact that they knew that former President Trump wouldn't push the federal government to collect this data. And so, it sounds like the Biden administration has taken a step in the right direction as far as holding conversations with Jung and his team. But how can it do more? He said that the Biden administration could put more funding into the issue to provide resources for victims and mental health services and expand their civil rights protection and suspend the China Initiative. What's the China Initiative? The China Initiative is a Department of Justice project that actually racially profiles Chinese researchers. And they've been surveilling and um, investigating Chinese researchers just because of their ethnicity. And um, it's it's chilling and it's um, a violation of our civil rights. Um, It hasn't really found any national security threats, but the harm it's done to the individuals by violating their rights has been powerful. So um, we want him to suspend that particular policy. Sabita, you mentioned to me earlier that he's not teaching this semester, right? Can you tell me how Stop AAPI Hate ties into his sabbatical research? Yes, so he's actually committing to Stop AAPI Hate full-time as his research. They're producing three reports this fall one on youth, one on elderly, and one about going back to work. So this has allowed him to do a lot of research first and is trying to identify promising practices to address this issue. He will be back in spring to teach classes, but he will continue his work on Stop AAPI Hate. Last question, what's next for Stop AAPI Hate? We're gonna continue to um pursue initiatives to fight racism. We want to promote ethnic studies. Again, we want to expand our civil rights protections and we want to improve community safety. So we're going to continue to focus on those areas um, for the long haul. You know, the roots of racism are deep and so we really have to have concentrated efforts to uproot those sources of racism. Thanks so much for joining me today, Sabita. Thank you for having me. And that was the episode. This is Chris Ramirez, Editor-in-Chief and your co-host for Gator Talk. New episodes will premiere Friday mornings, so stay tuned. And with that, I'm out. That one, that one felt right. All right, all right.
And so how has it shaped the work that he does now? 